Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, but we're back again. Part two. That's right. I told you it was going to be bigger, longer, stonkier, and uncut. I lied on one of those things, but this is part two of our great come back after our first missed week in a year and a half. So and look, this we're is gonna give you all this the- is a perfect segue into your Friday morning. You know, like it's about to be the weekend. You just had a great Fountain City Sports Media episode on Thursday morning. Now you get to go to work and start your weekend right with part two, bigger, faster, better, stronger, whatever the Daft Punk song is. I think we already used the joke too fast, too brewerious already. So I can't do that again. <laughs> but right, I mean, boo. what is a callback if not a callback? Anyway, just some quick reminders on some things. Number one, I am recording this from the apartment proper right now, which means you're probably hearing a lot of reverb. You're probably hearing my beautiful wife walking around the apartment, which is totally, totally okay because I'm in her space and not the other way around. Bless her heart. And also, (laughs) speaking of being social, you can find us on social media at Fountain City SM on Instagram as well as Facebook. And you can also find us on Twitter at Fountain City SM, as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. So yesterday, we did a lot of things. We talked about our new logo. We sent an email out to Holla Daily Brewing Company. Hopefully, we've heard back from them. We talked about Le'Veon Bell, the Chiefs offensive line, and Armando reviewed an incredible IPA from Monkish Brewing. Today, we have the other two parts of the uh, Kansas City trifecta to talk about. We have the Kansas City Royals, and we have Sporting Kansas City. Armando, it's purely summer right now. There's, There's no more spring talk. We are in the middle of June. The Kansas City Royals have played more than a third of the season at this point, so we're starting to get an idea of who the team is Unfortunately, you and I a couple weeks ago made a list of what we see the Chiefs, uh, the Royals doing over the next few series and how many games we needed to see them take from each of these series. And unfortunately, things have not been falling the way we've wanted them to. This is what a lot of people to ask. Are the Kansas City Royals contenders? Will they be buyers or will they be sellers and kind of punt on this year and look towards the next year? And one name that has come up for the better part of the last three years is the homegrown stud from South Carolina, Whit Merrifield. Now, right now, he is 32 years old. He's under club control until 2023 for a paltry $4 million a year. His bat's getting hot. He's leading the ale and stolen bases with 20. Armando. Is this finally the year we trade with Merrifield? Man, this is this is a really hard question to dive into, and I'm I'm excited that we are, but it's it's really hard as a as a Royals fan because of course, like Wit Wit is our guy, two hit Wit man, but at the same time he's 32. Um, Andrew Benintendi has to get paid at some point. Uh, Bobby Wit, when Bobby Wit comes in, has to get paid at some point. What is this new organization going to do? What is this new leadership going to do? I think the new leadership, and I I might be skipping ahead a little bit, but it kind of comes in together, right? I think this new leadership is actually going to pay Andrew Benintendi and show that they're willing to, to give money to big stars. But, but that means that we might not have enough money for wit, 
And th- this is a really difficult conversation to have because Wit again, as a Kansas City fan, Wit is our guy. And if if I'm not a Kansas City fan and I'm just uh, looking at pure baseball, there really is no better time to trade Wit than now. And I I really don't like saying that. Uh, it, yeah, it kind of sucks saying that. But we can get great value for him. But then the other question is, do we have to do that right now? And I, I don't necessarily think we do. Like you said, we have till 2023. Um, next year, you know, the Royals organization has been saying for years, 2022, that's the year that the Royals are going to be in contention. That's when the Royals are going to be great. So if we can keep wit, we keep Benny, right? Carlos Santana's hitting his stride. We don't see any fatigue there. Salvi, I think we can get another year of Salvi. Maybe we should trade Jorge Soler. <laughs> Let's see if we can get some value out of him being the worst hitter in baseball so right now i say no let's not trade whit merrifield but i do understand if we do have to go down that road because we have to pay andrew benintendi then yeah i guess it's okay but as a royals fan no i don't want it to happen so yeah i'm gonna give you this fair weathered fan maybe well, there's an old proverb that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. We've been saying for the better part of the last three years that it's time to trade Whit Merrifield while his value is as high as it will ever be. Can I just can I just rally off some Whit Merrifield stats for you? Please. So in this window of time. Witt has led the AL in hits in 2018 and 2019, and he's third in 2020. He led the AL in stolen bases in 2017 and 2018, and he's currently sitting, or he was second in 2020, and he's currently first in the AL in 2021. As I mentioned, he's under club control for another couple years, $4 million a year, and you can play him anywhere defensively outside of pitcher and catcher. Whit Merrifield still has a lot of value. A lot of value. Does he have as much as the year before? No. But as the proverb just stated, his value right now is better than it's going to be next year. It's better than it's going to be next year. And the Royals need to decide if they think this team is eventually going to slam on the brakes on these losing streaks and put things together enough that they might be able to sneak that second wild card. I'm going to say, as a fan and lover of the Kansas City Royals at this point, I have seen enough of this team. They've lost 8 of 9 again Going back to that 11-game losing streak earlier, this is not a playoff team this year, and that is okay. The pitching hasn't developed yet the way they wanted to. The batting orders faced injuries and has subsequently underperformed. I think this is a year you try and finagle a few more prospects, a few more players out of some of our commodities that can't help us now, and you bump that window back to being 2022 to 2024 to actually trying to contend. Um, I'm going to go a little further there, Reese. I'm going to ask you a question. When you say giving up wit for someone, are you talking specifically a prospect in pitching or a prospect for batting? Well, I think we have enough prospects for pitching right now. You know, we got those four guys we've called up. We still have Bolin, who's going through Tommy John's right now. At the very least, I think he's going to make a fine addition to the bullpen. Asa Lacey's still figuring stuff out. And all things considered, it's still too early to cast judgment on any of those big four we've called up. So I don't think we're going to be looking for a pitching or a bullpen guy. The question is, can we get someone in the batting order that's going to hit more reliably? We've got some dudes that are raking this year. You know, I mean, Andrew Benintendi obviously is killing. With Merrifield's got another strong year. Salvi's having a career year. The list goes on. The problem is we still have a few black holes in that lineup we haven't been able to fix. 
So do we try and get someone that we can put in this year and say, let's try and squeeze out a wild card appearance this year? I think we punt on this year. That's just my opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, this this is a whole other can of worms, right? We're talking about who are we going to trade. But the other question that we can divert from or not is, yes, are we playoff contenders? And your stance is no, we, we should punt and grow. My stance is, you know what? One of these pitchers has to pan out this year, man. Like, like this is this is no Kansas City fluke, because not only was Kansas City high on all of these pitchers, MLB was high on them, right? The Athletic was high on them. You know, people that uh, um, MLB draft prospects were high on these guys. I was just listening to another podcast talking about all these pro- prospects, and they were saying, you know what, Kansas City didn't get this wrong. You know, something is wrong right now with with the pitching staff something is wrong with these code these these pitching coaches and i know we we've talked about that via text but not on here i'm thinking one of these guys is going to pan out right we're seeing some better stuff from singer um minor still great duffy's playing you know out of his freaking mind right now i think if we get lynch or just just one guy right we don't need all of them to hit but if we get one of these guys to be what we know they can be, and not just Kansas City, but what all these other, you know, uh, conduits have said, right? What what Athletic has said, what ESPN has said. You know, this isn't just Kansas City tooting its own horn. Everyone else is tooting our horn on who we picked, right? So if one of these guys shows up this year, which I think is very likely, right? We should not base it off of two games, right? Daniel Lynch, Coar. I think we're still in contention, Reese. I think there's still a chance. I know this Angels series really blew it up for us because the Angels are in the same position we are. The Angels are a wild card team. And for us to lose to them, it really sucks. Really, And it could be down the line very detrimental that we're losing to a wild card team that we're trying to fight for. Um, but I still think there's a chance, man. And that, that really changes the wit conversation. I don't think we are making the playoffs this year, and I don't think we should play as if we're planning on making the playoffs this year. Because like I said, for us to make the playoffs this year, everything we've done through the first 70 or so games, we have to believe this team is going to figure out over the next 90 or so games. And that's going to be changing a lot of things. Like I've mentioned, the big three things, hitting, batting, and bullpen, Neither of those things have been consistent over these 70 games. I think it's asking a lot for one, let alone two of those three things to be consistent over the next 90. I mean, okay. do you do you see I'm going to ask you a question. This is off script. Do you see Solaire being this awful the entire year? I do. I think he's he's shown this isn't just a trend. I think it's like every uh 60 or so games people kind of determine if something is like a slump or a trend it's been over 60 games now I don't know why he's regressed but he has definitely regressed this year but that's the kind of pruning we got to do to the bush you know to help fruit grow for the next few years it's a contract year maybe he's answered the question do we extend Solaire the answer might be no no 
I might rather put the money towards taking a lottery ticket on Adalberto Mondesi staying healthy because I've seen what that guy can do. And even though he's had extremely limited time to show it this year, he has looked like a monster in the eight games he's played. Yeah, totally. And and what's and I feel bad for Solaire because if this were Michael A. Taylor, if this were Nicky Lopez, um, if this were Nick Prado or someone, you know, or Edward Olivares, we would bring them down to triple A, double A ball right but with Solaire he he was so good for one year that we've kept him in the majors but for any other player we would send him down so Solaire's really getting the brunt of hey man we've seen you produce you're just gonna have to hit yourself out of this and unfortunately for him he hasn't been able to do it so his for us his stock for the longevity of this team is is detrimental but Reese, if you are Dayton Moore and the Yankees call you up and they still see the Solaire of old and say, hey, we can we can figure this out or we have the luxury to figure this out. Do you take an offer for Solaire for maybe two prospects, maybe not top 50 prospects, but potential top 50? I think I would. And I think that's fair to say at wow. this point. I mean. I, I think we already won. That's the hard Sol- to say, though. Jeez. Yeah, but I mean, we we won the Solaire Wade Davis trade already, in the fact that Solaire had that great season where he sent the Royals, you know, home run record. Unfortunately, the teams were not relevant during that period, but we got some great experiences out of them. We wound up with Wade Davis back on the team the same time we had Solaire, you know. So it's like ultimately we won that deal. I'm happy with it. It doesn't look like Solaire is going to be a piece going forward into our next contention run. But Wade Davis wasn't, and obviously proved he hasn't been a piece going into that same contention run. So all things considered, I think we cut ties, we get what we can, and we move on. Wow. Okay, I'm going to throw another one at you because this is fun. Uh, I'm the Yankees again, and pretend like the Solaire thing didn't happen. I give you two top, I actually give you two top 50 prospects in our farm system, Yankees, for wit. Uh, I, I'd take two top 50s, to be honest. I would take uh, two top 50s. I would take a top 10 can't miss prospect. Oh, totally. You know, someone yeah. someone in the vein of a Bobby Witt Jr. Not necessarily saying he's going to like light the MLB on fire, but it's like I know that when he's called up to the majors, it's a matter of when, not if, this guy is going to play in the majors and contribute. Right. So if they want to give us someone like that for wit, uh, the only problem with the Yankees is that according to our Yankees insider Gideon Dobby, hashtag friend of the podcast, everyone in that order bats right. Whit Merrifield bats right. Oh, if Whit okay. Merrifield could bat switch or left, oh my goodness, but, we could have a king's ransom for him. But the Yankees do need a, lead, a leadoff hitter. That's one of their biggest flaws of what I've been seeing. If they get they, a solid leadoff hitter, my goodness, man. I think they might actually you know, start talking. I, I think they might talk to us. I mean, it'd be interesting. You get Whit Merrifield on base, you know, and then you get, you know, a couple batters later, you get someone like Stanton or Judge to mash him home in a two-run home run. And it's like, yeah, great. Obviously, that's perfect. I know he's been tied to the Yankees a lot of different times in a lot of kind of fantasy trade scenarios, but I think if the Yankees are willing to entertain an offer, which as we've seen with the new ownership of the Royals, we're not just getting fleeced anymore. You know, we, we dealt... Rosenthal for Olivares, who looks like is going to be a winning trade. You know, we dealt for Benintendi for a couple prospects that look they might bust, and Benintendi's been raking. So I trust this new ownership group to get something comparable for Whit Merrifield. Reese, I'm on a roll right now, so we're going to roll reverse. 
and we talked about this on uh, via text, and it's not on the it's not on the outline, but still, I want to talk about it. We were talking about the pitching. So, say you know, we figure out this batting stuff, right? We we get some batting prospects. It looks like all of our prospects, pitchers, right? And I'm talking Lynch. I'm talking Coar. I'm talking Singer. I'm talking um, Bubich. Bubich. No, Bubich has been okay. They're three guys. So those three guys, they all have the same issue, right? Developing that third pitch, getting command. Uh, velocity seems okay, but it really is the command. Are we saying goodbye to Cal Edridge? Um, geez, it's, it's really hard to look into the crystal ball on this one, especially when I'm an in-the-moment fan right now, and I'm a little frustrated the team showed so much promise, but we've seen so much stunted development. I don't think it would hurt to maybe move on from some new coaching staff. A lot of these guys are still, you know, holdovers from the Ned Yost era. Right. And, you know, if, if we're going to give Matheny a fair shot, if we're going to give Sherman, our new owner, a fair shot, heck, if we're going to give Dayton Moore a fair shot, you know, if we're going to give him the keys to the kingdom, we got to let him get their guys and let them do the kind of things they want to do. So, I mean, if Matheny wants to get the band back together with some of his coach from St. Louis, by all means, do it. St. Louis had a lot of success. But I can tell you the problem I've seen with all of our prospects coming up over the better part of the last three, four seasons, and this goes for Brad Keller as well, is we're asking a lot of our pitchers, like I said, to try and bait batters. Major League batters are good enough to wait for these pitches that are nowhere near the zone. And they're like, okay, as soon as you throw something that's even near the zone, I'm going to crush this. And that's exactly what's happening. We got these guys trying to get them to nibble on these pitches outside the zone that even I could tell you, I'm like, I'm not going to swing at that. You know, but the second they throw something that's even relatively in the zone, I know they're going to mash it, either fly and advance the runner, or they're going to crush it out of the park. We've had a major home run issue this year. So I would like a pitching coach that's telling our pitchers, hey, pitch aggressive, pitch for strikes. They're not going to hit all these things. If they hit you, they hit you, but pitch for strikes. Yeah, I I think um, talking about what I just prefaced that question with, right, that all three of those pitchers has have the exact same issue, right? It's not some individual issue to Kowar, to Lynch, to Singer, right? They all have the exact same issue of developing that third pitch and also having the consistency and target. And you can't fix that. That has to fall on our staff. That has to fall on the pitching coaches. So I agree with you. We got to let them go because it it's not on these guys. It's really not on these guys. Like like um, Daniel Lynch, his his curveball is nasty. It, it Freaking nasty curveball. The talent is there, but something is happening with the technique coaching. Something's going on there that we got to fix. I know I just went off the rail, so let's move on from there, but I think that no, was a really that's important That's a really point. good point to bring up, and you know, I'm hoping that our pitching eventually gets together because a lot of the success in this year was banked on the concept of a lot of these young pitchers either getting called up or taking a step forward in their development. We just haven't seen that this year. It's been very frustrating. And you know what? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going really quickly, really quickly. Bobby Witt, watch. Do we see Bobby Witt then? And you're you're saying that we're blowing it up. Does that mean that we call it Bobby Witt sooner than we thought? If we wind up dealing Witt Merrifield, so we don't got some guy standing on second base, then I can see us calling up Bobby Witt later in the season to play second and have a hopefully healthy Alberto Mondesi or Nicky Lopez starting at shortstop. So. That's my oracle prediction right there. Fair. All right. Fair. So moving on to the third crown jewel in the Kansas City royalty. We are talking about sporting Kansas City. 
who had a tough 1-1 draw against Austin FC at Children's Mercy Park this last weekend. It was kind of what we come to expect from uh, a little bit of typical Sporting KC, which isn't what we always like, which is a lot of attacking, a lot of opportunities, but not a lot of finishing. Uh, the story in the first half was controlling the first 20 minutes of the game, but ultimately going down nil one in the 25th minute after some absolutely flat-footed, porous defense. And that defense, I tell you what, would continue to be a trend throughout the game. There were some counterattack opportunities in the 49th minute, the 56th minute, and even late in the 80th minute that honestly, I think at least two of those should have been finished. And thank our lucky stars, the Austin FC team could not convert on some of those because those were, ooh, yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Dominguez is the real freaking deal. He's... (laughs) Dude. He's a great striker. Dominguez is great. He came to ball. But ultimately, we got some weapons on our own team. Now, Alan Pulido and Gadi Kinda, you know, were tied up in international play. So, unfortunately, they did not get the stars today. It really showed in how our offense had cooled off. I believe it was nine goals in the prior three games. Just one in this game. And it came courtesy of Shallowy. Now, Shallowy had an impeccable effort in the 42nd minute, jumping up there, doing some sort of like crazy, I don't even know how to describe that, the karate scissor kick just to get that deflection in there. (laughs) And if it weren't for some incredible goalkeeping on Austin's part, that would have tied the game up right there. However, not to be outdone, he followed that up ultimately with the equalizer in the 71st minute that got us a critical point and kept us up top in the Western Conference standings. Armando, what are your ultimate takeaways from this match? (laughs) <laughs> fix her defense i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that definitely like um you know Mar- martins we, he has to really step it up fontas and and like we've said already through some of our sporting kc um podcasts is we don't have a lot of depth there but there is some sort of depth that we need to figure out who is going to be an everyday starter like going into the playoffs who is going to be back there is it going to be fontas Fontas, is it going to be Martins, Elias, right? There's so many different combinations there that we need to figure out that we still don't know, right? We still don't know who is the guy back there. Is it Jalen Lindsay? Um, There's so much question marks that I I really don't like. And like I said, Dominguez played his heart out. I mean, he was shuffling defenders here and there, but that shouldn't happen. I mean, when 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 we played Nani two weeks ago, we seemed like we were able to get him. But Dominguez, Dominguez seemed to have his way with our defenders. So that was really disappointing. Um, a, a positive thing that I saw that I think even without Pulido there, even without Kina there, we were still able to really force the issue on offense. Johnny Russell played a heck of a game, man. Johnny Russell had some great passes, great crosses, some great positions that he put Busio in and vice versa. Um, so I, I'm really excited about this offense still. Like even though it was one, one, it really should have been two, two. Um, Austin FC kind of blew it in the 80th minute. Uh, we kind of blew it in the 46th minute. I mean, Johnny Russell had a perfect cross to uh, Felipe Hernandez, who kind of just got carried away with the ball. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be hopeful for on the offense. But again, year after year after year, we don't have an answer on defense, Reese. What do you think? 
You know, I'm going to stick with you on this one as well. Defense was a big part of this story. Uh, you know, there were a lot of counterattacks. Like, like I said, this game easily could have been 3-1 Austin had it not been for some pretty sloppy and failed finishing on their part. Uh, you know, a story of it's been a combination of looking out of place, looking flat-footed, and looking downright unathletic. Uh, as I mentioned last episode yesterday, our Sporting Kansas City insider at Boulevard McKinnon gave a very good point, actually, when I was talking about uh, Pulse Camp earlier on in the season, how I didn't feel like he was ready to take over Familia. He said... We've played a different trifecta of defenders in front of Pulse Cam in almost every game. He didn't have a chance to gel. He didn't have a chance to get a feel. And that same thing goes for who we're deciding to play back. Yeah. And and Melia had a hell of a game. I mean, and I'm pissed that that the, that the USA national team never calls Melia. I mean, Melia by far is one of the greatest defenders in in the league right now in America. So hat, hats off to him for another great game. Anyway, continue. Well, the, the the case in point being, it's like it seems that Vermees hasn't managed to fix the defense, and he's tried to patch it by having like a great offense, which works when the offense isn't out on international duty or if Busio doesn't get called somewhere internationally himself. But what I really need to see is just someone that can take control of that defense and really just be the field general back there and telling players where to be position-wise and being that extra spark plug if they need to make a long run to contest a pass. Because a lot of these things were counterattacks by Austin, and our guys just looked flat-footed. They looked slow. They looked a step behind every time. So that is my first takeaway from this match. My second one was, goodness gracious, do we rely on Alan Pulido and Gadi Kinda, or do we rely on Alan Pulido and Gadi Kinda? I mean, I tell you what, <laughs> them being gone... Watching Keen to just like tearing it up in international play, watching Polito tearing it up for Sporting yep. Kansas City, the offense looked listless and lifeless without either of those guys there this week. Yeah, but you know, Johnny Russell, I think, still had a heck of a game. Busio still played pretty free. He had a couple blunders here and there, but I, I, I think it's nice to have those two, and I know we're going to talk about Busio a little later, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Polito is definitely the the like stronghold of that team. And then seeing Kinda make that goal with Israel is pretty impressive. Last thing I will say though, as a positive takeaway from this match is the fact that top to bottom, the core of this team from the players to the coaching is still one of the best in the Western conference. Are they the absolute pinnacle when you strip them of their greatest players? Pfft, no, absolutely not. But are they a competent team? Even when some of their stars are called off to different places? Yes. And that starts from top down in the organization. We got a high quality front office. Peter Vermees, okay, you take the good, you take them with the bad. He coached a good game this week. And I'll tell you what, that's part of the reason we were able to come back in this. And the team ultimately showed a lot of grit and drive. We've stolen, oh, I can't remember the exact number, it's upwards of 10 points in matches where we've been trailing. So the fact that we can we never say quit never say die is going to be huge for this team going forward. Totally. And Reese, I'm going to ask you a question. When's the last time you've heard Remy Walter or EC, EC Marine at all during this year? Uh, <laughs> Making a highlight play or being a, a factor on defense? 
Oh, geez. Uh, I'd like to believe it's one of those things that, like, because we never talk about them means they're doing their job, but, I mean, it's probably not that case, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm I'm very disappointed in our two signings, and Remy Walter and EC, right? Like, like I think the troubles that we're having with Fontas, the troubles that we're having, um, you know, Jalen Lindsay here and there, although Jalen Lindsay, I will say, has had some good games, or sorry, some good matches, Um I think we really, you know, having those two guys, Remy Walter 25, EC 29, you know, these guys were supposed to be the guys to lock it down, man. But uh, but easily, easily, it could have gone differently. I know it was 1-1, but the score does not tell the story. If you go back to that game, if you're able to watch the game again, I mean, that defense is still a red flag for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. Well, we shall see. The one thing they really have short of this year is that we have not succumbed to a really late equalizer or even game stealer in stoppage time so far. So, I mean, heck, what more can we ask for at this point? Am I right? <laughs> um, some more offense and better defense. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But, you know, be thankful for what you have. Anyway, Armando, I think that's about all the time we have left for this super mega bigger, longer stonkier, uncut deluxe edition Rocktoberfest podcast. Man, (laughs) it's been great getting to collaborate with you again, Armando. It felt like a part of my week was missing when I didn't get a chance to meet with you. Yeah, you know what? Shout out to um, my uh, my uh, brother, uh, hashtag Uncle Drew, who was like, hey, what what? what happened to your podcast I haven't heard anything about it recently well guess what andrew we're back almost two hours this part one part two stay tuned everyone thank you for staying on with us check out the new logo go on all of our social media accounts like we said we paid that logo through patreon so please continue to donate through patreon because that really helps and thank you for being a true fan we appreciate it yeah thank you to all of our super listeners all of our patreon supporters and of course all of our friends of the podcast We'll see you here same time next week with some more high-quality Fountain City sports media content. Bye. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.